0: quick survey. Let's see a raise of hands. If you've got any kind of goal, you might call it a resolution. you got some kind of, here's what I want to do in 2020. For some people, it's a word. For some people, it's a list. Okay, I see. It's about the same at each service. And and I I don't want to make fun of those of you who don't have a goal. But come on, people. (laughs) You're alive, right? Here's a better question that we can all agree to. Raise your hand if you want to have a good year, how about that? Nice and generic, you want to have a good year. Good, okay. It's all of us, It's all of us. I was looking this last week, what are the most common New Year's resolutions? Here's the first one, is to exercise more. Second one is to save money. Third is to eat healthier. The fourth is to lose weight. By the way, if any of those three are yours, you should see our sports and fitness team in the lobby. We've got an amazing ministry that helps you get in shape down at the other end of the building. If you want to save money, you should sign up for our Financial Peace University. It'll help you get your finances in order. Hopefully these give you some ideas. I want to challenge you with this question. If you could achieve or do or get just one thing this year, what would it be? I'm not saying it's a New Year's resolution per se, but just if you could look back a year from now and one thing happened, maybe your marriage gets better. Maybe you lose a little weight. Maybe you get your finances under control or you really get ahead financially. Uh, maybe it's a promotion, maybe it's further education, maybe it's something more in your inner life of like, man, I want to I get to a place of peace, I don't want to be living in anxiety. If there was one thing, if just one thing that you could have in this next year, what would it be? Uh, maybe you want to save for your kids for college, maybe you want your marriage to change from something that you're enduring to something that you're enjoying. Uh, work with me here, for your own sake, pick one thing. Have you done it? You got something? You got something that you would like to see God do in your life in this next year? Here's why I think it's hard for us to pick a thing. It's for this reason. We know what we want to accomplish or improve, don't we? We all know, but time passes and it doesn't happen, right? We've had the years where we've made the big resolution or we've had the times we said, I'm gonna set out and do this and then life gets busy and it doesn't happen. And after that happens a couple times, we just become a little bit jaded, A little bit like, yeah, why try so hard if it's not going to happen? And we just kind of fall into a routine, kind of a groundhog day where we just keep living the same life over and over. Researchers have found that less than one in five Americans actually keeps their New Year's resolution beyond February. That's maybe why most of you said you didn't have one. In life, what is it that separates the many people who say, yeah, I want to improve from the few who actually do? Or put another way, how do you make this a year where you're not just stuck or declining, but a year where you're actually growing and improving? Would you want to discover with me how to see your goal or desire? That one thing that you picked, would you want to discover with me how do you actually see that become a reality? Well, I do, and I'm here to provoke you to want to. And so let's see how tight end Ben Utech, from the Super Bowl winning Indianapolis Colts answers this question. Go ahead and take a look. And thanks for joining us at connection point thanks for sharing your life and your story and yeah,
1: it's good to be home
0: yeah <laughs> actually yeah, right great we, we were at Hillagas bakery <laughs>
1: I know it was and, so good man yeah uh you know and, and th- this was such a great community for Karn and I to walk into um uh, you know and you and you come into this big beautiful place and you can be overwhelmed but they had such a, a great small group network and we just got we got anchored right away and and it really became uh, a very special church community for us.
0: I love it that God used Connection Point in your life yeah. in such a way. How did you guys hear about Connection Point when you were living here?
1: Uh, there were a number of uh, there were a number of players that had made connections in in Brownsburg, and 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 so when we were looking for a home, we 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 uh, went out to a number of different communities, and and Brownsburg really felt like our home back in Minnesota, Karn grew up in a small farming community in Minnesota, and, and I grew up in a small river town, agricultural community. And so coming out into, into, into Brownsburg really felt like we were back home in Minnesota. And it was only 10 minutes from the Colts facility. So <laughs> it made for an, an easy drive to work every day.
0: Well, let's talk a little about that season of your life and, mm-hmm. and playing for the Colts. And um, I mean, tell us a little bit of what it's like to, to be at the Super Bowl. And yeah. to be playing,
1: <laughs> I know. You know, it really is surreal. You grew up in a in a in a town of less than fifteen thousand people, and uh, suddenly you find yourself playing in front of one hundred and one million people, and uh, one of the greatest Minnesota music legends, Prince, is playing at halftime, and you're catching passes from from Peyton Manning and being coached by. Tony Dungy. So, how does that happen? I have no, I have no idea. Um, But I do know that it was a miraculous journey, and and so you know to be on to be on such a special team, especially a team that, as the world came to discover, uh, was built around a foundation of faith, uh, was was uh, incredibly impactful in my life uh, as a as a believer. and as a as a new husband and and uh, and uh, a soon to be father, and so it just was a it, it was a miraculous time.
0: You know, we were over at the Colts training facility. We were in that memorabilia room where there's like four different right. keypad locks and an iris scan
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a body scan. And, yeah. Yeah. That was crazy. and
0: we get in there and I just loved that image from the Super Bowl right after you guys had won the game. Yeah. And Coach Dungy gathered the team in the locker room and the Vince Lombardi trophy is there. Yeah. And he says, "Let's uh, end the season like we started it." Uh, and everyone kneeled for prayer. Can you just take us yes. into that moment? What were you feeling?
1: Oh. Well, it, 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 really is surreal to grow up watching this game that you, that you fall in love with and, and, um, and watching these Super Bowls and, 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 and then you're in it and the team wins it and the confetti comes down and, and, um, the celebration on the field. And, and, and now instead of watching it through a lens, you're actually living it out yeah. through the lens of life and, and, and. To enter into that locker room afterwards, and and to be with this team was was so special. Now, now Coach Dungey, as you can imagine, was bombarded, you know, and so he was the last person to get into the locker room. We were in there for quite a while, and celebrating, and he came in, and and um, as is his fashion, with with his quiet strength and his uncommon leadership, he just put his hands in the air, and everything got quiet, and. He politely asked all of the media to to step to the back of the room, and to put their cameras down because we were going to end the season the same way we started, giving thanks uh, with the Lord's prayer. And I'm so glad that one of the one of the photographers disobeyed Tony Dungy <laughs> because he took this picture, this profound picture of of all of us kneeling together, hands uh, in, in hand, uh, hands on shoulders um and, and we're going through the Lord's prayer and it's this it's this beautiful um picture, this portrait of what of what uh championship culture looks like, right? A culture that was led through servant leadership, right? Um which which really is all about building better men to get better football players, you know, and winning with with that style, yeah. and so you know, I, I think, you know, I I, I reminisce uh, about that moment because it, you know, it, it it truly is the picture of of what unity is capable of doing, yeah. and that's that's just radically powerful. Yeah, we we're in such a divisive yeah culture right, right now in our country, and we need more pictures of fifty three individuals from 53 different parts of the country with 53 different political views and and religious views and family situations and economic situations, all coming together, yes. embracing each other in trust and hope. Yeah. And that's what faith has the power to do mm. um, if you say yes. Amen, amen. Let's talk about,
0: you know, for a moment, let's talk to that person who doesn't believe in God, or maybe they believe in God in some generic way, but they haven't experienced it in a personal way. I mean, think of all the things you could do after winning a Super Bowl, and to kneel in prayer uh, with a coach and other believers on the team who experience God, not just as some hypothetical thing, but as a, a personal God. I mean, in that moment, were you sensing God there, or was it more just like, Coach wants to pray. We've we've all got to kind of go along with this thing.
1: I mean, not for me. I mean, obviously, you know, being a being a, a Christian and and being someone who uh, has felt the the supportive hands of, you know, of of Jesus in my own life. For me, it it carried in a significant amount of weight. Um, you know. Uh, such such a a humbling experience to go through uh, and and you could feel you could feel the presence of that yeah. in in the room um and i i have to believe that that every every member of that organization felt it as well mm-hmm. you know e- even our even our own owner jim Ursay uh when we won the afc championship game uh lifted the trophy in front of you know all of Indianapolis and said, you know, we first need to to give glory to the Lord. I mean, that's a radical thing for an owner to yeah. uh, to say in a yeah. uh, you know, in a position to take. Um, and so, you know, the, I think the, the the response to to the practicing of that belief system yeah. in Indianapolis was was very positive. Yeah.
0: you know, let's talk for a minute because. We've talked about that Super Bowl moment and you know they say every overnight success was 10 years in the making. Sure, There's these high point moments that people see and they're like, wow, but it always starts lower. And I'm sure there were times at the beginning of that season or the times of your beginning of your journey with the Colts, where it was, is this gonna work? Are we gonna work as a team? Am I gonna fit in here? Um, take us back to some of those moments if you could.
1: Well, I think, you know, I I, I, I would say that for me um, as a rookie coming in to, to the Colts facility, it was very clear what their expectations were. Uh, when you walked into the locker room uh, in big blue letters on a white wall was the quote from Tony Dungy that said, no excuses, no explanations. Mm-hmm. And it really set a tone for what kind of environment, I was about to step into, yeah. and and so to your point, that began before I mm-hmm. came to Indianapolis. It started with with Tony Dungy coming to this uh, community, and and saying to to Jim Irsay, uh, "I will be your head coach, but you got to give me the keys. Wow. Right? You 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 have to be on board with what I'm about to bring. Yeah. And and the answer was yes. And so. Um, that culture was cultivated yeah. over a number of years, and it starts with leadership. So, yes. for a rookie like myself, it was it was very important that I was mentored by leaders like a Peyton Manning uh, or Marcus Pollard, who was a Pro Bowl tight end that was here in Indianapolis when I came, uh, because these are the types of individuals uh, who were practicing, you know, kind of this 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 uh this dungy way yeah. and yeah. the impact that that had on my on my life uh was was significant and and there was such a strong uh community of believers of Christian men that were yeah. on the team and half the coaching staff had wow. had been through the the three hundred sixty five day journey through the Bible with tony yeah. seven times wow right so there's yeah, th- th- yeah. this is a very unique organization yeah. when it comes to you know its spiritual maturity yeah and that that had a I think a, a huge effect on what what it was like for me coming yeah. into to this organization as a rookie. Yeah. And how and how relationships were cultivated that led to on the field uh, right. performance. Right.
0: I, I love the picture of you know just this reality that believing in God, believing that Jesus is God, following His way of life, it has tangible. Results, yeah, in our lives.
1: Yeah, I remember, uh, you know, Jeff Jeff Saturday, All Pro Center, um, you know, gave an interview talking about. I think he was, he was being prodded a little bit about being a, a, a Christian and and uh, the the stereotype that as a Christian, uh, there's a the you know we have a softer side mm-hmm. and that that can affect the way that we perform. Um, you know, because of you know principles that come out of our, uh, out of what we believe, right? right. Grace and empathy and some yeah. of these things that can be viewed as more the softer side mm-hmm. of of life, and and Jeff's you know his response was you know well. You know if I if I play for myself then I limit myself because mm-hmm. I'm only capable of of reaching human standards, yeah. but if I play for something that's bigger than myself. Then, then really, my potential is limitless. Yes, I think that's so profound because I think as as Christians, uh, we're capable of so much because Mm -hmm. we believe in something bigger than bigger than ourselves. Yeah. Um, And you know, Colossians three twenty three says, "Do all things with all of your heart, as though working for the Lord and not for man." And so. When you, when you really surrender to that type of a belief, you know what you're capable of doing um, uh, is significant. And, and that, that means, you know, if you're on the offensive line, when that ball is snapped, you need to hit that guy across from you with everything you have, with all of your heart, for the Lord, yeah. because it honors him for you to do your job well. You're not trying to hurt that individual but you are trying to, um, to to move that individual in a way that's gonna allow for the play to be successful. Yeah. And so you give everything you have into your craft. And so really, I think faith, if, if anything, can elevate your performance yeah. in anything that you do, uh, whether you're in the corporate industry or you're in athletics. Yeah. Isn't
0: that great? Yeah. Yeah, Ben's amazing. We'll hear more from him in upcoming weeks. And again, you can enter to have that VIP experience with him when he's here on January 24th. And one of the remarkable things about hanging out with Ben, other than the fact that he's like a giant, is that really in his inner life, he's just like the rest of us. And we had this moment when we were talking, we really realized, you know, he grew up in a small town. If he'd made a few choices differently... Or if he had believed a few things differently, he never would have ended up in the NFL. He was there because of what he believed, and he was there because of beliefs that he acted out. And really, whether we're playing football or anything else in life, just like Ben said, whether it's corporate life or home life or relationship life, faith in Christ elevates us up above ourselves. When we just live life for ourselves, we stay trapped at our own limitations. And Ben answered that question, what is it that lifts us up above our limitations? He answered it with this passage of scripture, Colossians 3. Here's what it says. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Now Ben's saying like, that means it hit the other guy in football. You work at it with all your heart. But think about this for your life. What is it that you're called to do on a daily basis? Uh, Maybe it's changing oil filters, maybe it's stocking shelves, maybe it's overseeing engineers, maybe it's teaching students, maybe it's changing diapers, maybe it's working on your marriage. Whatever it is that God has called you to do, don't do it passively. Live a life of purpose. You were created for a purpose and so work at it with all your heart. Be the the best person at what you can do. The best version of you at what you can do. And how do you get there? You do it as working for the Lord. So when you show up for work, you're not there for your boss. You're not even just there for a paycheck. You're not there so that everyone else will like you. You're there as if God Almighty is your boss. And so when no one's looking, you're still working just as hard because you're working as unto the Lord. And on your marriage, when it's discouraging and no one else knows how hard it is except for your spouse and you feel like your spouse has given up and you want to give up and you think, what would motivate me to keep working on this? You do it as unto the Lord. And the principle that Ben lived is that when you choose this as your motivation, you see for Ben Utech and for Tony Dungy, it's not like they were passive Christians who just lived for themselves and for their paycheck. And then when they showed up at the Super Bowl, they're like, well, I guess we better really start praying now. They were praying every day. Ben was showing up for practice every day with this kind of mentality. And it's a great illustration, a living proof example for us, that whatever our calling is, in whatever field, or if it's in our home or in our neighborhood or as a student in school, that we can show up and say, God, the reason I'm here today is to serve you. I want to do this as unto you. And the passage continues and it says, you can live this way because you know as a follower of Jesus that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord. You will receive, there's a future reward for believers. And by the way, that future reward, it's not based on results. It's based on motives. If you want to learn more about that, you can study in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If you want to go deeper in your life application study Bible, you can see a passage where God says that we we get into heaven not based on our works, our salvation, our being with God for eternity, free from sin, and in his house, that's a free gift that we receive when we believe in Jesus. We're saved by grace. Through faith, the moment that you say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, I believe you died on the cross for me, be my savior, that's what gets you into heaven, into the family of God. But then when you get into heaven, there's going to be an assessment of your life. God's going to look back and he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave to you? Jesus taught this repeatedly. 1 Corinthians 3 teaches this. And what he's gonna be looking at is not so much the external things that all the other people could measure, he's gonna be looking at the internal heart. What was your motive? Why were you doing this? Were you doing this to serve me and to serve others? And he tells us over and over in scripture, when we make him our motivation, he rewards it. There's an eternal reward, but there's also a reward in this life. And that is when you show up for your job and you do it as unto the Lord, then even when your boss is not being fair, even when your other coworkers are being petty or they're discouraging you, you keep doing a great job because you're not doing it for them, you're doing it for God. And guess what? That makes you better at what you do. And as you get better at what you do, you'll find someone who will pay you what you deserve for what you do. But the point is this, you do it God's way. Sometimes it's physical pay, but sometimes it's just, I'm going to be a mom who loves these kids as unto the Lord, and maybe no one else will ever see until the next life. But there's reward even in this life for the way that you have a relationship with those kids. Because when you were out of patience and you couldn't love them anymore, you said, God, I'm not loving them right now because I feel like it. (laughs) But I love you and I'm serving you and you've called me to raise these children and so right now I'm gonna be patient with them or I'm even gonna discipline them when I feel like being lazy and just ignoring their bad behavior. I'm gonna do what's best for them right now as unto you. And there's a reward in this life. The greatest reward is in the next life. But here's the big idea principle. Do your daily work for a higher master and you will rise above what limits you most people live fairly small lives within the constraints and boundaries of their own limitations and the reason they never get up over those walls those boundaries of their own limitations is that they keep themselves their motivation if you're doing your job your everything in life is just for you then you're going to live a life limited by your own constraints But when you start to say, I'm living for a cause bigger than myself, it lifts you up above your constraints. By the way, like all principles of scripture, this is true. And so even people who aren't believers sometimes apply this principle. I know unbelievers who've said, I'm going to do an exceptional job at my job, not for my boss, but because I want my kids to go to college. And on the days they're discouraged, they show up and they say, my motivation is higher than myself or my boss. It's for my kids to go to college. Or it's for my spouse to be provided for someday. And it lifts them up above their own limitations. Now, the higher of a purpose you attach yourself to, the more it's going to lift you above your limitations. And what's the highest purpose of all? Almighty God. You are created to know him and to be in relationship with him and to bring glory to him. And when you say, my job, whatever it is, I'm going to show up every day in 2020 and i'm going to do it as unto god it will lift you way way up above the limitations of your own life so a few little applications as we look at this big idea first what's your daily work in 2020 and what does it look like for you i mean for ben utek and for tony dungy it was showing up at 5 a.m for practices it was practicing in the off season it was a whole lot of stuff that happened before the super bowl when nobody was watching And we can worship God in our daily work when we make him the motivation. God, I'm not doing this for people's approval. I'm not doing this to just get a paycheck. I'm doing this for you. What's what's your daily work? And then, who's your master? Who are you really doing it for? I mean, if we're honest, we're all mastered by something. Jesus teaches that. He says, many people are mastered by the love of money. Other people are mastered by the fear of death or the fear of not having enough. Other people are mastered by the desire. They live for what God calls the fear of man. That is, they're so afraid of letting anyone down that they just kind of run around, always anxious that they're afraid they're going to let someone down. We're all mastered by something. And what Ben taught us, what the Word of God teaches in Colossians 3 is choose to make God your master because he's the master that will do the best things for you. You know, when Ben described Tony Dungy as a coach, it was very clear that Tony was good and he was kind, but he was demanding. He was very clear about what he expected. And if someone showed up at 5.02 for a 5 a.m. workout, they were one or two mistakes away from being off the team. He was a kind master, but he was a demanding master. What happened as a result? Well, there's 53 guys in the world today who have Super Bowl rings on because they submitted themselves to a master the master that you submit yourself to dictates the results that you'll get from your life and if you say God I'm gonna make my master not the love of money or the fear of failure but my master is gonna be that God you've created me for a purpose you placed me on earth for a purpose and every day I want to love the people in my life. I want to do what I'm called to do as unto you. It lifts you high above your own limitations. Maybe you can think in your life what has been limiting you lately. I find that most of us, we're not even aware of what is limiting us. Uh, And a good example of this is the TV show called The Profit. I don't know if you've ever seen this TV show. It's spelled P-R-O-F-I-T, like how a business has profit hopefully, at the end of the year. And what this guy does, the main character of the show, he's a serial entrepreneur. He's started a lot of businesses, and he goes into these small and medium-sized businesses that, that kind of started, and they're sort of making a living, but they've plateaued. They're stuck. They're no longer growing. So very often, it'll be like a restaurant that has one or two locations, or maybe someone started a little salsa company, and they're selling these bottles of salsa, and it's being sold in their city, but they haven't been able to break out regionally or nationally, and he'll go in as an expert. And here's what he does, he'll look at their situation, and then he'll say, I've got $200,000 or $500,000 that I'd like to invest in your business because I believe in you, but here's the condition. If you're gonna take my investment, I get a share of ownership, and you have to do what I say. Because I'm coming in as an outsider. I know how to get a business like yours to the next level. You can have this money if you'll do what I say. And his track record is fantastic. When people will do what he says, they'll succeed. But here's what I I love watching the show. Because over and over again, people are stuck. They're limited by their own dysfunctional relationships or their own small beliefs. And what they need is someone from the outside to come in and master them for their own good. Very often they're stuck because they're like, oh, I, I won't change the label on that packaging because, you know, my daughter designed it and I loved it. And, you know, the label's a total fail, but they're attached to it. Or they're insecure about something or they're jealous and there's, you know, dysfunctional relationship stuff going on and their whole life is limited. And what they need is a master who will come in and say, hey, lift your eyes up above your drama, here's what you need to do, and if you'll actually do it, here's $500,000 to do it, you'll be successful, I'll be successful, but will you choose to make me your master? That's what Ben did with Coach Dungy, and that's why he's got a Super Bowl ring on his finger today, because he allowed himself to be mastered. What you allow to master you will kind of define your destiny. So have you chosen, have you ever chosen in life to say, you know what, God, I believe that you're good, I believe you see things I don't see, and I'm going to make you my master. I'm going to work as unto you. So even when people don't treat me right, even when I don't feel like it, even when it doesn't make sense, I'm going to work as unto you. Ben quoted Jeff Saturday in saying this, faith can elevate your performance. Why is that? Because faith is believing in God as the master. When you have faith, you also encounter the power of God. There's a true power source in the cross. When Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that when we believe in that, it can lift us out of addiction. It can transform our hearts where they've become cold or inward focused. I love this verse where God says, Or the Apostle Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it's the power of God. This was so true hanging out with Ben. This is true of him. I feel this way. I know many of you in the room feel this way. Why are we not ashamed of the good news that Jesus died on the cross for our sins? Well, it's because there's power in it. It's not just some myth. It's not just some Hallmark greeting card or some bumper sticker. There's actually power You can access the power of God in your life, a power that brings salvation. What does that mean? Well, it includes eternal life, yes, but salvation starts now. It includes freedom from negative behavior. It includes the ability to transform our hearts and forgive and love. How how do we encounter this power that brings salvation? Well, we encounter it by believing. Not ashamed of the gospel, it's the power of God. It brings salvation for everyone who will Believe. So let's wrap up by just talking about your life in this next year. First question What one thing will you work for in 2020? You know, pick something. It's okay if it doesn't seem spiritual. God cares about every area of your life. You want to lose some weight? Do you want to get a promotion? Do you want to start a business? Do you want to pass a class? Do you want to figure out what you're going to major in? Do you want to become a better husband? Do you want to become the kind of guy who deserves the kind of girl you're hoping to marry? What's the one thing you really want to do in 2020? And then pick, what is my higher motivation? What's your higher motivation? Will you choose to say, God, I want to be mastered by you. I believe that just like Coach Dungy, and even more perfectly, if I will submit to your training regiment, if I will do what you say in my life, it will take me places that I could never go on my own. And so I'm gonna work as unto you this year. And then the third thing is, you know, what are the daily choices or routines that will connect you to that higher motivation? For example, Ben Utech and Coach Dungey, they were on the same page about this. What's our one thing? We're gonna to go to the Super Bowl and we're gonna win. What's our motivation? Well, there's a lot of human reasons why we want to do it, but ultimately, we've been given these gifts, and we're going to do this as unto the Lord, and no matter the results in the end, we'll know that that was our motivation, but then they didn't just sit on the couch at home and like, hey, uh, Ben, you coming over? Let's watch some ESPN and eat some chips. You know, we've got our goal. It's written on the wall, and we're giving God our motivation every day, and we're just kind of hanging out. It was, here's our goal, here's our motivation is for God. And so every day, what are we doing? Well, we're getting up and we're going to practice. And we're watching tape. And we're running plays. And we're actually doing daily routines. What does that look like for us spiritually? I'll give you some steps. One or two of these are for you today. Don't worry, they're not all for you today. But maybe your step is saying, gathering here weekly. To actually be connected to God. I'm going to make 2020 a year where I don't just go to church when it's convenient or when it sounds fun, but I'm going to be there every weekend because I know that consistency produces results. Maybe that's your step. Or maybe you've taken that step and your step is to start praying every day. doesn't have to be religious, doesn't have to be fancy. You can do this as you're driving to work, But it's simply bringing God your emotions and saying, God, here's what I'm nervous about today. Here's what I'm feeling today. Here's where I'm discouraged. Here's where I'm unsure. Here's where I need you to provide financially. Praying is simply bringing God your needs. Maybe you're doing those and it's time for you to start reading your Bible. We'd love to give you a life application study Bible at our Connection Corner. You just start reading. Again, you don't have to read like books and chapters. It's just reading a little bit and saying, God, I I want you to speak to me. Maybe your step is that you're doing those things, and like Ben and his wife, Karen, you need to join a small group, get into a group. You can do that in the lobby today, or you can start serving consistently. The point is this, with each step, you're moving closer to God as your master, and he starts to control more of your life, and so more of your life starts to lift up above your own limitations. That's what I want for you in 2020. It's what God wants for you in 2020. I'd love to pray it for you right now. Father, thank you that through the power of Christ, we can live a life that's far bigger than ourselves. And God, I pray for faith right now all across this room for every person who's listening, for the person who's never even believed in you before, that in this series they would consider, wow, God is practical. It actually works in real life. Lord, for those of us who know you and who serve you, we're reminded at the start of a fresh new year that it is our motives that you're after. So Lord, whether we're showing up at a medical office or a law office or a classroom or changing our child's diapers or working on our marriage or working in a repair shop or serving as an engineer, all the different callings you've given us, Lord. All these callings, we want to be a people who thousands of us, every day, we wake up in the darkness and we go out as lights into the darkness because our motive is that we're doing this for you. We serve as unto you. You're our boss, you're our master. Lord, just like those 53 men submitted themselves to Coach Dungey, and he took them to a place they never would have gotten on their own, We choose this year to submit ourselves to you so that you can take us to do things that we could never do on our own. Lord, you are a God of miracles. You wanna do miracles in our lives, but they don't happen if we don't believe you and submit to you. So be our master, strengthen our faith in this year. Make us the men and women. You have such bigger dreams for us than we have for ourselves. Help us to believe in you and submit to you. So we can experience what you have planned for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.